Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm your host, Kayla White, and I'm here recording in our fancy new studio. If you haven't seen it yet on Twitter, you should follow us at Valley 101 Pod. Today's question asker is... Uh, I'm Anne Ferrioli. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. And she wanted to know about the history of Dreamy Draw Dam. Anne said she grew up in Phoenix and she never paid much attention to the dam. And going back to recently, uh, driving along, I see the sign for the dam and realize, you know, I don't know what this is. I never looked into it before. So Anne started looking into it, but the results were not what she was expecting. And what comes up is UFO, a supposed crash UFO landing site here. Yeah, you don't really expect you know, UFOs to appear in the history of a dam. Katie O'Connell here. I was very curious when our team received Anne's question. It was a really specific question about a dam, and to be honest, we just don't get a lot of those. Then I googled it. The first result is from a website called weirdus.com, and it has two articles about the alleged UFO crash landing. Yeah, so the legend is that there is a UFO that was, or at least a crashed UFO pieces that were buried under Dreamy Draw Dam. And some people even uh, allege that there was no reason for the dam. The only reason was to hide uh, these UFO pieces. That's Alejandro Rojas. He's the director of operations and editor of Open Minds TV. Yeah, we treat ourselves as like a UFO news organization. And uh, we try to take a kind of journalistic perspective. We try to share the information that is out there, uh, provide sources of information uh, for individuals interested, and, you know, let people kind of uh, make their own decision. Alejandro said the origins of the Dreamy Draw Dam UFO are kind of tricky to pin down. But the starting point for the story that follows is in 1947. In public, the wartime allies were still the best of friends. They defeated Hitler together. They divided Germany together. But beneath all the comradeship, disagreements were starting. The foundation for the Cold War was set by 1947. And part of this Cold War hysteria would manifest itself in the skies. I'm Mike Wallace. Our title, The Race for Space, means the contest between the United States and the Soviet Union for propaganda and military advantage. With our eyes to the skies, people started seeing things. Now, UFOs are legitimate. Probably we've all seen UFOs, something we cannot identify that is flying off in the distance. 
uh, the chances are at some point in time as you continue to look at this thing, you will be able to identify it. But for the moment, it's a UFO. That's Dr. Roger Lanius. He's retired now, but he worked as a senior curator for the Division of Space History at the Smithsonian. In a 2011 lecture, Dr. Lanius told the story of a man named Kenneth Arnold. Arnold was a businessman and amateur pilot who was flying around Mount Rainier in June of 1947. He saw something, we think. He certainly reported it as such. He called it a flying saucer. And that set off a real craze with lots of people. By the end of the summer of 1947, there were more than 300 claims of UFO sightings. I mention all of this for a reason. It's important to understand the cultural zeitgeist in the late 40s and early 50s. It helps explain how Dreamy Draw Dam earned its UFO mythology. The first recorded mention of the UFO incident at Dreamy Draw Dam is thanks to a writer named Frank Scully. And he wrote kind of the first real popular kind of UFO conspiracy book. It was called Behind the Flying Saucers, and it was published in 1950. In his book, Scully introduces two men named Silas Newton and Dr. Gee. Dr. Gee is a pseudonym, as the good doctor had allegedly worked on 35,000 top-secret defense projects. Dr. Gee claimed to have investigated multiple alien spacecraft landings that fell along, quote, magnetic lines of force. One of those allegedly happened in Paradise Valley in October of 1947, the same year as the UFO craze in the United States. Not only did the book say there was a crash landing in Paradise Valley, but two humanoid creatures were on board. Here's how the book described it. The third ship he and his staff examined landed right above Phoenix in Paradise Valley. Quote, we happened to be in Phoenix, so we got out to it in a hurry. One of the little men was half out the escape door, or hatch, as the doctor called it. The little man was dead. The other little fellow, there being only a crew of two on this ship, was sitting in his seat at the control board. He was also dead. This story quickly gained traction. In fact, they did a, a kind of a well-known uh, lecture at the University of Colorado where they made these claims, and this generated this FBI file. But Frank Scully's book wouldn't be the only one to reference the alleged incident. Another author chronicled the event decades later. His name is Timothy Good. He wrote a pretty well-known, for a UFO kind of conspiracy theorist, uh, a well-known book called Above Top Secret in 1987. In that book... Good interviewed a man named Selman Graves. 
Uh, but Selman Graves was a local out here, and he lived in Cave Creek. He said that uh, he had gone hunting with buddies, and they saw that the army had, you know, it looked like the army in, off in the distance was kind of doing something. They wouldn't let them approach, and they had some activity going on. Graves told Good that he didn't think about that day until he read Scully's book from 1950. He even met with Newton, Dr. Gee's colleague. Newton filled in some of the blanks for Graves, but Graves added his own spin too. And he even went so far as to speculate that one of his friends who had gone hunting in the area earlier might have recovered alien bodies from this crash. Later, Graves saw construction in the same area. He described the construction as being disorganized and seemingly pointless. It wasn't methodical at all. So in 1987, when this book came out with this story, uh, somebody, and it's unknown exactly who, but this rumor started coming out that it must have been Dreamy Draw Dam. As best we can tell, it breaks down like this. First, Frank Scully supplied the original reporting of the alleged event in his 1950 book. Timothy Good recirculated the rumors in his 1987 book. And it took a life of its own after that. A quick Google search will reveal all sorts of conjecture. People say that the dam is unnecessary, that it never floods in that area. Some suggest that the dam was built to cover the spaceship's remnants. They point to the fence around it as being suspicious. Others claim to hear an inexplicable humming sound in the area. But here's the thing. It didn't happen. So, yeah, it, all of the kind of backstory is very dubious. Um, and so it doesn't seem to be something that actually occurred. Remember Silas Newton and Dr. Gee? They were Frank Scully's sources in his 1950 book. Turns out they were phonies. Now later it turned out that these oil men were really con men and they were essentially trying to say that they had these special devices that could find oil and they would claim that, you know, these devices came from top secret government UFO studies. Uh, none of that was true. They got in legal uh, trouble eventually. I find that point particularly fascinating. Newton and Dr. Gee were exposed as fakes in the 50s. They were businessmen who saw an opportunity wrapped up in the early Cold War UFO hysteria. But that wasn't the only issue Alejandro discovered. There's also the question of geography. Now, one of the problems is, is Selman Graves, he went hunting in Cave Creek. And I, for some reason, Timothy Good called this the Paradise Valley case. Cave Creek and Dreamy Draw are about 20 miles apart. So there's no way someone hunting in Cave Creek could have seen the detailed going-ons of an investigation in Paradise Valley. If the alien rumors around Dreamy Draw Dam aren't true then what's the real history there? My name is Steve Brown. I'm a senior geotechnical engineer. 
the Flood Control District Dam Safety Branch. I'm Steve Waters. I'm the Flood Warning Branch Manager here at the district. Steve and Steve both work for the Maricopa County Flood Control District. They specialize in watching major weather events, ensuring our safety during them. They walk me through the history of the dam. Uh, Dreamy Draw Dam was built in 1974 by the Army Corps of Engineers in partnership with the Maricopa County Flood Control District. So that's another hint that there's no cover-up. It seems unlikely that the government would wait 27 years to install the dam if it were protecting these UFO remnants. So why was it built? Uh, All with the purpose of basically protecting the valley and allowing it to continue to grow and for development to to come in safely and without uh, flooding risk and and, uh, restrictions downstream or reduced flooding risks, I should say. Think of it this way. In 1947, Paradise Valley was the boonies. But by the 70s, Phoenix was expanding. Its population boom had happened. Developers wanted to start building houses in the northern reaches of Phoenix, but that area would occasionally flood. So they built a couple of dams, and those dams eased the situation. That allowed for developers to come in. Dreamy Draw Dam was one of the dams they built during that time. It's built to take a lot more than that. It was built as part of the core project that protects a lot of North Phoenix, so... It works in concert with the Arizona Canal Diversion Channel, um, Cave Buttes Dam, uh, Adobe Dam, and New River Dam to protect all of the North Phoenix area. Steve Brown said that Dreamy Draw Dam is a flood control dam. Uh, single purpose only, so there's no active flood, in, or, uh, flood pool behind the dam. Usually it's dry, but it uh, collects flood water when it rains. That's why the dam is usually dry. It's not that the dam is unnecessary. Instead, the dam is there for our protection when monsoon season or winter rains hit. It's intended to be dry most of the year. Uh, As far as the history goes, we've had several minor filling events. We haven't ever had a major filling event at the dam. So the the local people around here mostly know it as a a recreation hub where they can park and uh, access the trails up at Piestawa Peak. That I can confirm. I've hiked it several times since the trails are easy enough for my vertically challenged dog. The dam itself is 54 feet tall, with a reservoir capacity of 335 acre feet. Once the water storage hits 10 feet, the Flood Control District will alert the city of Phoenix to have them close the parking lot and recreation area. Uh, it doesn't happen all that often, I'd say two or three times a decade. But the 54-foot height is the reason for the dam's fence, not the alleged UFO remnants. It is typical for uh, all of our Maricopa County dams to have uh, restricted access to the dam itself, so that's definitely normal for us. And uh, we, we try to keep people off it just to, to keep it in good shape and minimize our maintenance needs. And also just the steep slopes can be a safety risk for people, so um, that's why the, the fencing. And the humming noise people claim to hear at the dam? That's most likely from the 51, which cuts through the mountain preserves right by Dreamy Draw. And yes, it's by the 51, like Area 51. But I can't stress this enough. The numerical similarity is just a coincidence. Um, I can't say there's a pipe that goes through the dam, so we know there's nothing through the middle of the dam. 
we've had cameras through that through that pipe very recently. Um, there's also some internal features uh, of the dam that help it function, which which are also um, some smaller pipes, which we've also sent cameras into. So the dam is is not concealing a large spaceship, <laughs> like uh, or it's or a transformer, uh, like the Transformers movie. Uh, it's actually a solid earthen dam. So in the end, the legend of Dreamy Draw Dam is just that, a legend. In reality, the dam was built to protect residential developments when the valley's population was growing. But Kayla, I have to admit, it's fun to believe. Absolutely fun to believe. I love the lore around Dreamy Draw. Not only do I love hiking the Dreamy Draw area, but I love learning these things about it. Here's another fun one. Uh, back in the early 1900s, people learned that you could mine cinnabar from the Dreamy Draw area, and cinnabar is mercury sulfide. So these miners were going in all the time and being exposed to mercury, which is highly toxic and has effects on your brain and your nerve system. So that is where the area got its name from, Dreamy, because it was affecting these miners. That, that is true though. Well, thank you, Anne, for asking that question. The answer certainly sent us to many unexplored places. If you're interested in reading Behind the Flying Saucers or Above Top Secret, you can find both online at archive.org. Audio in today's episode came from the BBC documentary Cold War Confrontation and the 1959 documentary The Race for Space. Additional audio came from the Smithsonian's Ask an Expert series. If you have a question about other extraterrestrial events, let us know. Maybe you want to know about the Phoenix Lights. Hint, hint, hint. If so, send us your questions at valley101podcast.azcentral.com. You can also send them to us on Twitter at valley101pod. I'm your host, Kayla White, signing off until next week. <laughs>